Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mikey Choshum. And I am Shinye Hashimoto. Welcome to episode 214, the G1 Climax Final, 1996. It comes with a trophy. That it do. It does, it it does come, it with comes, it comes with a trophy. Comes with probably two or three trophies. Yeah, I think we only see one. But... Probably some flowers. Yeah, no belt, no belt on this one though. No, you get a title shot though usually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they started that yet or if that was always the deal. I don't think you get it at the January fourth show like you do now. Actually, I think they literally do it like the they used to the do it like the part. best of the Super Juniors, where it literally is like the next big show. Yeah. Makes sense. They got a title shot. Hmm. Yeah. So. I feel like you could still do that today because sometimes the length of time The between, waiting in the six months or yeah, whatever. Yeah, between G1 and then it's like, oh, well, that guy cooled off completely since then. Looking at you, Jay White. <clears throat> yeah. I know, and I'm, I like Jay White a lot, so it hurts even more when, when uh, it didn't seem like he really tried to get the angle over. Something about those New Japan guys going to AEW. They just kind of aren't what they once were. Bullet Club Gold, guys. Bullet Club Gold. Bullet Club needs to die. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Black and gold. Or is it black and yellow? I don't remember. What color is that? Would, that would be the NXT. That oh, would be I'm Bullet Club and NXT. <laughs> yeah, that's the undisputed era. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> They're much better. This was the sixth G1 Climax produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was held from August 2nd to August 6th. 1996, from the Rigoku Gugukikan in Tokyo, Japan, with an attendance of around 11,000 each night. I mean, come on, that's and it, wonderful. And if you listened to us last week, it was running at the same time as the J-Crown Tournament. Yes. It was kind of the main event was the G1. Yeah, and this was in the vote when the, the J-Crown was like, you know, the lower singles matches. Yep. Or maybe the co-main event. I don't know. I don't know the cards. They but usually that's a good. It ticket, was usually man. the J Crown was yeah. in the like first three or four matches of the show, and then the G One matches were like the last three or four matches. Yeah, of the show. a couple tags in the middle, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a great show. We watched those matches, and they were great. And we watched these heavyweight G One matches. Listen, and find out if we thought it was great. But mm-hmm. I'd say that that's a, a solid purchase ticket if you uh, yeah, are if you got to see all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, any any one of these nights probably would have been worth your money. But we are back in Japan. Yeah, we are. So Shane, did you do what you do? Yes, I did. I did what I do. We are back in Japan. And as has been the case these last... Oh, let's see in here. We're on 214, so 150-ish episodes. <laughs> I've been seeking out foods and beverages and whatnot from around the, the globe. Japan has always been a tricky one just because here in Oklahoma City, 
It's hard to find anything other than sushi or ramen. Not that I have anything against sushi or ramen, but it's like a cheesesteak where you can only have so many and then you need to have something different to represent that spot. Thankfully, I was looking up desserts, uh, Japanese desserts to be specific, in Oklahoma City. And lo and behold, this gorgeous beauty just popped up on the top of the list. A little place here called Ling's Cakery. Not bakery, cakery. On the uh, the first picture that I saw was a picture of a Japanese cheesecake, and I was instantly drawn in. And then I checked out their menu and saw the list of other house-made sweets that they have: cakes and tarts and rolls and all kinds of goodies there. Um, when I walked into the shop today for the first time, they had these little cupcakes that I almost got because they looked similar to this, but this was the the focus of my 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 focal point. But yeah, I. Uh, Got a Japanese cheesecake. It is incredibly good. It's not the super rich, dense cake that we're used to with a lot of cheesecakes that you'll get at most places. This one is a whole lot lighter. More this feels more like an angel food cake. Yes. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very cakey in consistency. You know, it crumbles. It's, it's not so mushy. It actually has texture to it. It's not as sweet as your typical cheesecake. As the description on it said, it has more cheese than less sugar in it so you get that extra height to it without all the uh, extra sweetness to it this one came with just a little fresh whipped cream and a strawberry on top they had one in the display that had similar uh, toppings with it but then it also had some blueberries and blackberries on it they've got whole cakes available or by the slice Uh, one of these times I'm gonna have to uh, grab a couple of their different matcha cakes that they have in there because it's like a matcha crepe combination. Yeah. I was looking at the menu. They had like Super... mango crepe cakes yeah. and like just every fruit flavor you could think of look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolates awesome. and coffees yeah. and all kinds of goodies. So. Also, I mean, for, if... yeah, this is, you know, I'm going to timestamp this a little bit, but Mother's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks. My mom likes cheesecake. I might have to grab a whole one. Yeah. They are. Uh, She's definitely never had a Japanese. Twenty-eight dollars I saw for one that feeds four to six, and then fifty dollars for one that feeds eight to ten. By the slice, it was like five ninety-five, I think. So, reasonable price for uh, something super tasty. Uh, I also got. They had these little egg tarts on the counter. They're very mild in flavor. Um, again, not not very sweet. We were talking about how they would taste good with like a berry or some kind of drizzle or something over the top of it maybe even just a, a sprinkle a of salt compote. yeah mm, yeah just something because great texture yeah you it's got a, yeah, a good creamy texture to it flakiness is great yeah and the egg's very fluffy yes buttery and and whatnot but there's just it's missing that extra little kiss of sweetness yeah. or salty tartness. or sweet one or the other yeah but i think it may just be because we're used to American we're used treats. to American treats. <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah, we're we're just all, I say all, as I, all, I sit here sipping my sugar filled yeah, coffee. All of us need blood pressure medicine <laughs> at the age of thirty. The, uh, but the cake was uh, great. And anytime you eat cheesecake, even if it's like the small crummy like sample ones, mm. afterwards you just like feel it sink to the bottom of your stomach. I ate that, and this is a large slice of yeah. cheesecake. I ate that whole thing and uh, can barely tell that I ate anything at all, which is. A good thing, yes, because <laughs> that's what you want out of a dessert. Guilty. That's why I never get dessert at restaurants. Because it's like, well, I'm sure you have great desserts, but I just ate a whole American-sized meal. Yep, you'll hear it described as light cheesecake, cotton candy cheesecake. Now, it's definitely taller 
in its uh, in its shape than your your typical cheesecake that tends to to sink. This one has a lot of air and fluff to it, which makes makes it that much better. So, if you're ever in Oklahoma City, Ling's Cakery, twenty seventh and Classen, highly recommend. It's not gonna make any noise, but I'm gonna take a bite of it anyway because that's what I do. So here you go. Oh, nice, nice spongy sound. Oh yeah, I mean, that's the sound we'll get digging into it with the fork. Oh, that's nice. Beautiful. So good. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that would happen right around the same time as the G1 climax, Los Del Rios would start a 14-week run atop the Billboard charts with. Hey, Macarena. I, I mean, what a can't song. can't believe I just uh, did that. What a song. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. What a song. I mean, it's capable. When was the last time we got a song that was like a dance craze? Uh, Mambo number five. Uh, that, that uh, have its own what's the, the Korean one? Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Yeah, Gangnam Style. I, I did, Gangnam. I did, oh, the, I did one of the videos. <laughs> me me and know, friends did you like... The pony? We did one of the like videos that people were like doing. Well, you're pretty light on your feet. Then. I can see. I can see you pulling that off very well. Oh, I've, that song. I mean, I've seen you. I've seen you do the. What is it? Uh, not right, said Fred. Uh, leave your friends behind. Your friends don't dance. Oh. Uh, I've seen you do that Irish oh, gig, the, oh, the, and it was impressive. The cowboy dance. <laughs> from yeah, the video. yeah. So if I, I figure if you do if you do that so well, you could probably pull off a Gangnam Style. Nice. Uh, my feet are made of lead. <laughs> keep them, keep them on the floor. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. I dance with my hands, like most. Well, then, men. Hey Macarena was like the perfect song <laughs> for you. The only one I think I can do. <laughs> yeah, and everybody still remembers it. Yeah, it's like the Three Amigos salute, almost just mm. put to music. Hey, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's always funny in my head. Like we all know, Millie Vanilli didn't actually sing their music. They were just uh, cute boys, and supposedly they could sing okay but not they just good enough speak english to sing in english <laughs> and the uh and the people that like sang their songs and you see them it's like oh i understand why these people with these wonderful voices because there's like three people and uh they obviously don't look like pop stars but in my head i always i've seen photos of them but i'm like oh that they look like the los del rios guys because <laughs> those guys are definitely aren't pop stars either they just had a you know a dance craze and see, but they have this, a similar look it's like oh you know just kind of average looking like Hispanic guys yeah see I had the the image constantly since this song first debuted just because I, I grew up during the uh, Los Lobos La Bamba craze mm. when that movie came out uh, so every time I see the name Los Del Rio that's who I picture is yeah, Los I, Lobos I thought it's I, just you know, a bunch of guys that look like mobsters wearing <laughs> Sunglasses only this time they're dancing around doing the Macarena. As soon as I saw the Los Del Los, I was like, oh. And I was like, what song would be this early? I know How Far Is Heaven is later than that. <laughs> That's the one I always think of, even though like they were a band for like 15 years before them. Like Menudo would be around this time. <clears throat> no, Menudo was 80s. Was it? Yeah. I thought it went Ricky on. Ricky Martin was like 99. 12 years old at the time. Oh, okay. He was in Menudo anyways. I mean, Menudo went on for... You know, fifteen something years, they just kick you out once but, you hit teenage puberty age. Yeah, yeah. did but yeah, didn't I? Menudo never really had a hit in America, did they? During the eighties, they did. There, okay. there was a, a little bit a of little a little bit of crossover a craze, and then they they left as quickly as they arrived. They picked up uh, where they tried to pick up on the uh, Selena craze. 
the, sh- the short Selena craze. I mean, maybe Selena tried to pick up on I was like, Selena, I think, came after Menudo. Menudo <laughs> yeah, was that early. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember seeing Menudo I'm just, on in my head, Menudo. the show Silver Spoons with Ricky. Oh. What the hell's his name? Ricky Schroeder. And that was like 1983, 84, oh, wow. maybe. See, in my head, Ricky Martin literally left Menudo and went solo. That's how that's how it is yeah. in my head. Obviously, if it's earlier in the eighties, it's yeah. Because that's why that. song's like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. I think the, the the one Ricky Martin song. I guess he had like two. Yeah, he had a, a good couple of years there. But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like Menudo didn't cross over quite. Like, he lived so the Vida Loca, and then you know, right. he banged, he banged. Oh yeah, that song. That was the other one. I thought that was that, yeah. that Asian dude. She bangs, she bangs. William Hong. <laughs> Wow, we got uh, way off topic here. <laughs> yeah. I? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. I imagine that this is their best song, and it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Has I can't any, say I've heard any other song. I was going to say, has anyone actually heard the original version of this? Because the only version I've ever heard is the Bayside Boys remix. That's the one I, that hit. That's the one that hit America. Well, I mean, that's the only one I've heard. I've never heard a different version of. I mean, I may all. have and didn't realize it was the original. Just thought it was another interpretation of it because I imagine up in different shows over the years. And the first time, aside from the radio, I remember hearing it on the movie Go. And mm, that was like ninety nine ish though. So, I imagine that the like if this is the remix or whatever, they probably added a more club tile beat. Oh yeah, definitely. Emphasize the, uh, yeah, the trumpets a little. And I don't. More. Yeah, I don't know what the song would be without a club style beat. <laughs> so, I mean, if it didn't have the dance, would we actually remember it? Nope. Here, here's an idea. If the last match uh, ends in a draw, we play the original version of the Marine. <laughs> so you know, guys, find out, find out what plays us <laughs> out tonight, and stick around. <laughs> well, let's talk some G1. Absolutely. So, the participants of the tournament were Hiroshi Tenzan, Junji Hirata, Kazuo Yamasaki, Keiji Mudo, Kenzuki Sasaki, Mashihiro Chono, Riki Choshu, Satoshi Kojima, Shinya Hashimoto, and Shiro Koshinika. And they were split into two blocks, and they had a round robin of, I think it was like four... I think it was five people in each block. Yeah, yeah. It's split in, so split they had four half, matches. But... And basically what we were able to find was four matches out on the internet. The only one that I know of that is on New Japan World is the final. So we found a, about three others just out there on the internet just kind of hanging out. Yeah, I just mean, random ones. probably on um, YouTube. They, they might be out on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't really ever look on YouTube for this stuff because yeah. half the time it's not the full full match. Or people like to put video game versions of matches. And oh, I hate that. And that's annoying as crap. Like fight. Fire Pro should have its own streaming site just for the people it's that like, do that. Like, oh, okay, cool. This match is on there. Click video game. Yeah. Go to this link. Put video game in the title, guys. It's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Put review of something instead of just whatever the title of the something is. But, you know, they're starving for those clicks out there. It's a saturated market. But, you know, there's a couple names that uh, I feel like are still around today, and a few names that I don't know at all on here. Junji Hirata, not familiar. Not real sure on that one either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we won't see him wrestle 
tonight, but you know, I mean, maybe in the future. Anybody with the name Kazoo or Kazuo, I kind of want to see just to see. <laughs> I mean, we will see you. All right then. And just to get this out of the way, the last time we saw any of these gentlemen was back at Wrestling World 96, episode 181. So I don't have to say that every single time we have a match. Yeah, you're not, you don't have to name every name drop every guy here. Yeah, exactly. we, we just did that. So we're going to go straight to our first match. Ricky Choshu versus Shinya Hashimoto in a block A match. And this was on August 2nd. It was the first night of the tournament. So, no one had any points. Everybody thinking they got a good chance at the championship, you know? Yeah, nobody's uh, nobody's working from underneath quite yet. Correct. And the two men go straight into a collar and elbow. <sighs> and it's hot already. I mean, these guys are big, big guys with do. big fans. But no one gains an advantage as they work their way into corners and ropes several times to force a break. Shinya then hits a pair of kicks, but Choshu fires off a right hand to the jaw of Hashimoto. Only for Shinya to go right back to the kicks to stun Ricky. Okay, so help me out here, because when the match first started, I had to look at the notes just to make sure I was watching the right one, just because I don't want to watch the wrong show by mistake. I see the name Ricky Choshu, and in my head, I'm picturing a guy with like, Longer, blondish hair, almost like a Ricky Morton-looking dude. Nope. Does that description fit anybody with the name Ricky in Japan? Because I kept sitting there going, where have I seen this guy? Why am I picturing this person? It's not who Ricky Choshu is, obviously, but I swore his name was Ricky. Choshu is kind of our, like, Tanahashi at this point in time. This guy now. was more of, like, a junior weight, though, so... Yeah. I mean, but he, I remember him wearing purple. Think. It might have been a one of the like, FMW. There was Super a Ricky. There was a Ricky in the Super J Cup second stage that fought Negro Casas, but I mm. cannot picture who he is or what his name last name was. Well, if that's the same one, then that's what I was thinking of when I saw the name Ricky Choshu. And, you're like, and that's why right? I had to look at the notes because I I just yeah. No, Ricky Choshu is a barrel-chested, uh, balding Japanese yeah. man this guy of older is, age. This guy is a... He was like a Noki's second-in-command kind of guy. He's the guy, yeah, he's the guy split that... into New Japan, so yeah. he's been around for a long time. Let's see... He's the he's the elder statesman in the company, basically, at this yeah, point, because Anoki doesn't wrestle very much. Yeah, because basically, it, Choshu becomes president of New Japan... Within the next five years. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. And is Shinya the champ at this point? Shinya is the okay, champ. Okay, just point making as well. sure. Yeah. Because I, I saw, saw the belt. Just wanted to make sure everybody knows out there. You know, this is the champ, and the champ got a little bit bigger cheers uh, than the elder statesman. Ricky Fuji. It was first stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blonde hair. Ricky Fuji. All right. He was oh, in first yeah. stage, not second stage. Okay. You nailed it with the um, uh, but I knew he faced, Morton hair. <laughs> I knew he faced Negro Casas <clears throat> in the Super J Cup. But. All right. Now, now my mind can, can rest because that was bugging the shit out of me because <laughs> I knew it wasn't Ricky Choshu, but I didn't know who the hell it was. What's really funny is this, does, uh, this guy I couldn't, couldn't have named <laughs> to save my life. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So the two end up fighting over a suplex, with Choshu finally getting Hashimoto up and over. 
following up with stomps and a scorpion deathlock, causing Shinya to have to crawl to the ropes. Ricky starts delivering knees, headbutts, chops, and right hands all in a corner. But Hashimoto fires up with massive chops, kicks, and chokes of his own. His kicks are fucking insane, too. I know. I mean, Hashimoto is my guy. I meant to wear my Hashimoto shirt. I have one. <laughs> but the... And they start... Those... I mean, these guys chop the shit out of each uh-huh. other. And then they start teasing with some closed, closed fist punches. It's like, geez, man. They're going for it. They continue to trade strikes when Shinya nails an Insiguri. Multiple knees and a DDT. For a two count. Hashimoto keeps up the punishment with stiff kicks that Choshu just asks for, followed by chops across the back of the neck. Shinya goes for a suplex only for Ricky to block, so Hashimoto transitions it into a DDT and then locking on a cross arm breaker, only for Choshu to get a boot on the rope to break the hold. Shinya with more stiff kicks that knock Ricky out to the floor, but once he returns to the ring, Hashimoto nails a second rope elbow drop for a near fall. Choshu is kicked out of the ring once more, but when he makes his way back to the apron, Shinya charges in with a spinning heel kick that knocks him back down. Hashimoto then follows out to keep up the attack with chops, running Ricky into a guardrail before charging in with another spinning heel kick, only for Choshu to block, causing Shinya to fall hard onto the concrete. Ricky then makes it back into the ring as Hashimoto struggles up to the apron, where Choshu charges in with a drop kick to Shinya's knee, causing him to fall back out to the floor. And Hashimoto is just pissed off as he enters the ring. Ricky delivers several running lariats that don't take down Shinya, and he tries for a third, only for Hashimoto to hit a clothesline of his own. But Choshu's up first and hits multiple stomps to that knee, before setting Shinya on a top turnbuckle for a superplex. Ricky then nails five more running lariats <laughs> that finally knock Hashimoto down for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Yeah, those lariats look like they were going to severely dislocate his shoulder or something because <laughs> he just, it was like hitting a dead body that yeah. was standing up. Hashimoto is legitimately like built like a pyramid. <laughs> it's like his, yeah, getting him down. It's like believable for him to stay up. Even, you know, even for more believable than some other even bigger guys. Just his build is a brick shit house. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, fucking, this is good, hard hitting stuff. And the champion looked strong in a loss to an elder statesman that was still believable. We then go to our second match Kazoo Yamazaki versus Keiji Muto in a block B match. And first of all, it's the first time we've talked about Muda since he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, congratulations, you glory hog. That's right, you gorgeous bastard. You. Yeah. Now it just makes me wonder, though, are we going to have the uh, the going away tour of KG Muto? <laughs> well, it's already happened <laughs> for about the last year and a half. No, but... I mean... Wasn't that one just for Muta? No, each match was like the going away for... They... They did it both. They did both at the same time. All right. Yeah, it was like they, yeah. he did like twelve dates, and like half of them were Muda, half of them like the Sting, <laughs> ma- the Sting and Darby match was with Muda. Yes, and the Sting the, and Muda. You know, the Naito match and, yeah. was with Muda. And I will say that the Naito match is 
worth a watch, even though this man has no knees. Naito works his ass off to make this as good as it possibly can be, and there's a fun little treat at the end. Yep. Because Naito isn't his final opponent. <laughs> no. Oh? We get after credit scenes to stick around. Yeah. Oh, we've got Marvel, huh? So this match was also on August 2nd, the first night of the tournament. And the two men have a feeling out process to start before moving into some mat wrestling. That sees both block the other from putting on different holds when Keiji would just stomp on Yamasaki's hand. Amudo tries to work the arm only for Kazoo to counter to work the leg. But Keiji reverses it into an Indian death lock with an added wrist lock followed by a Muda lock. Now back to their feet, Keiji tries for a dragon screw only for Yamasaki to rake the eyes and attack with kicks before applying a cross arm breaker, forcing Muda to the make the ropes. And Keiji goes for the leg, allowing Kazoo to nail an Insiguri and go for the cross arm breaker again. But Muda counters by just stomping on the hands of Yamazaki. Keiji hits the handspring back elbow, only for Kazoo to catch him and attempt to lock in a Kimura hold. But Muda quickly gets to the ropes to break it. Keiji goes for the leg again, which Yamazaki again counters, this time into a cross arm breaker of his own, with Muda reaching the ropes with his boot. I love that when Muda, it's a heel maneuver to stomp somebody's hand, but there's a mix of uh, cheers and jeers for uh, Muda as he does this uh, heel maneuver. And I don't, is Muda a, I don't know if he's a heel at the moment, but he's off, off, obviously doing anything he can to win. Uh, but he, yeah, he's definitely working that in this match. And a lot of the times, like finger manipulation stuff, I'm not into. When you just are straight stomping somebody's hand, it's like, oh, well, that's believable. Because yeah. that would fucking hurt. KG starts to fire up with a forearm, a back suplex, heads up top for a missile dropkick. Muda then goes for a dragon suplex, which Kazoo counters into a Kimura lock. Only for KG to then counter it into a dragon screw leg whip. Muda hits another dragon screw and a moonsault before applying a figure four. But Yamasaki tries for the ropes and finally gets there. <laughs> KG grabs the leg again, but Kazoo flips over, taking Muda to the mat into a cross arm breaker, pulling him away from the ropes. And KG tries to escape, but he can't. And he ends up tapping out, giving Yamazaki the submission and the win. A little bit of a shocker there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the first night, so this is the best night for Muda to take a loss. And, uh, you know, good for him because he wouldn't do that very often later in his career. (laughs) (laughs) But they made me love a match that involved handwork, which is my least favorite limb to like work on work on and then the great touches that we should see more often now is that when muda goes for the like high angle drop kick he does it incredibly well and incredibly quick not just waiting for the guy to stand around it's capital w wrestling don't let me think that uh maybe you're working together (laughs) i already know you are but don't let me don't let it cross my mind keep it moving so we go to our third match, Kenzuke Sasaki versus Shinya Hashimoto 
in a Block A match. And this was on the last night of the tournament, and both men had already been eliminated from contention. So they were just fighting for pride, basically, at this point. Yeah, and I mean, it's a big deal for Sasaki because Hashimoto has the belt. So it's still, I mean, it means something. Uh, it should mean something anytime you beat somebody in wrestling. Yeah. But this one has much higher stakes because this guy's the current champion. And Shinya takes the mic and he yells something at Shizaki. So Kenzuke just charges in with a dropkick to Hashimoto's knee. I mean, he's the underdog here. Fuck you say? Shizaki then locks on a scorpion deathlock, forcing Shinya to crawl his way to the ropes to break the hold. No time wasted. Kenzuki tells him to get to his feet before proceeding to kick at the knee and deliver chops into a corner where the ref tries to get them to break, only for Suzaki to just toss the ref aside and go back on the attack. He's out for blood. Yeah, Power Warrior's looking uh, pretty intense here. I know, I love uh, his yeah his black and gold Power Warrior uh, gear. Yeah, he always had just more of a babyface look and feel to him when I had watched him before, but this one, he he looks like there's some some changes that are going on that I'm, I'm digging. So. Yeah, he feels... Uh, Truly worthy of uh, power you know, warrior of name. the power warrior name. <laughs> Hashimoto retaliates with chops, but another shot to the knee takes Shinya down, allowing Kazuke to keep up the punishment with a power bomb and multiple running lariats for a two count. Suzaki turns Hashimoto over for the Scorpion Deathlock again, but he releases it when he realizes that Shinya isn't going to give up. Kazuki then charges in for a running lariat only for Hashimoto to catch him with a massive chop and a DDT before locking on a cross arm breaker, with Suzaki being forced to get a boot to the ropes. Kazuki goes back to work on Shinya's leg before delivering a power slam for a near fall. He then applies a modified reverse figure four, commonly known as a prison lock, while chopping away at the chest of Hashimoto. I mean, that's fun. Someone in a suit is at ringside, encouraging Shinya. When Suzaki would release the hold, only to then nail several running lariats, only for Hashimoto to not go down and just spit at Kazuke. It's gnarly. I mean, he I did that earlier. Let's have a big yell. I love, you know, this is a, our second big boy match of this show. Not the, not the, the night, obviously, because these are on different nights, but... These are the kind of big boy matches I like to see. Agreed. Kazuke then tries for one more lariat that sends Shinya into the ropes, bouncing back with Suzaki hitting an impanze on Hashimoto for the pin and the win. Post-match, the man in the suit comes in with cold spray. So maybe he's the doctor? Uh, yeah, or a manager, or maybe a mouthpiece. I don't know enough, because most of the time when we watch these, they're in Japanese, and we don't speak Japanese. There's not subtitles, and I don't know enough outside of the matches as far as story-wise go, because yeah. Japan's stories are not um, as in the like forefront yeah. of the promotion the way a lot of American wrestling is. But I will say that that impanze is what it was. Uh, I was like, I don't know what that is. So it's kind of like an arm drag that like 
falls short, so he like pulls him it, down. It's a judo throw. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Pretty right, much like on his head or yes. forehead or something. Directly on his head, it is terrible looking. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I that's it's like well, I think if, Ronda Rousey has done it. Oh yeah. In now current day, and see, WWE. I think when Ronda Rousey did it, I thought, wow, that was sloppy. Yeah, we didn't quite know what it was because we don't we aren't really MMA guys. I thought it was just her grabbing, you know, take Alexa Bliss for example, somebody that's smaller than her and just flopping them around the ring just yeah. to show that hey, I'm big. But yeah, man, if you're gonna beat the champion, uh, dropping him directly on his head is a believable way to do yeah. it. Yep. We then go to our fourth match: Masahiro Chono versus Ricky Choshu. In the G1 Climax Final. We got the, like, Masahiro Chono is kind of the younger Ricky Choshu at this point, right? Yeah. You know, the the big uh, take-no-shit guy. And he's looking a little leaner and meaner than the last time I saw him, too. I mean, you gotta love that goatee. So, Masahiro had actually defeated Keiji Muda earlier in the evening to win the B-Block... And advance to this match. Damn, they did the final the same night. Yeah. That's brutal. So Chono goes right after Ricky, tossing him into a corner, stomping away on him, before trying to place him in a scorpion deathlock. But they are too close to the ropes. These guys aren't... As far as uh, the pushing a guy up to the up against the ropes, they do not want to break. Tiger Hattori is... Uh, doing the Lord's work, trying to keep these guys separated because they're not playing nice. And now it's time for a test of strength. <sighs> but Choshu kicks out, only for Masahiro to rake the eyes and attempt an atomic drop, which Ricky blocks and nails multiple Saito suplexes <sighs> for a two count. Chono regroups out on the floor momentarily, but once he returns, Choshu starts up with kicks, snap mirrors, and right hands into a corner, causing the ref to check on the well-being of Masahiro. And I love that for the pinfall, it's like he didn't kick out. He put his leg under the ropes because he just took three Saito suplexes. So it still puts over the move uh, as, you know, the strength of three Saito suplexes as opposed to him just kicking out after getting smashed to the mat three times. Yep. Ricky keeps up the attack, only for Chono to chop block Choshu to take control and work his leg with stomps and holds, before going to the SDF, forcing Ricky to crawl his way to the ropes. Masahiro stays on the leg with more holds when Ricky would start slapping at him, so Chono rakes the eyes to stop him. And Masahiro starts nailing several Yakuza kicks before heading up top, only for Choshu to meet him there for a superplex, but Chono no-sells it and goes right into a toehold and the STF in the middle of the rink. And Kazuke is on the outside, encouraging Ricky, who finally is able to make it to the ropes, causing a break, with Choshu rolling to the floor to regroup, where Tatsumi Fujinami grabs Ricky and slaps him to wake him up. <laughs> I was wondering who that was. I knew he looked familiar. You got to get in there, buddy. The other guy, I thought it was Tenzon for a second. Or I think there's a shot of Tenzon down there. I mean, all you know, all the guys that are on the same side or you know, probably multi-tagged together yeah. are uh, are down there. And Tenzon with that giant head and that mullet is hard to hard to miss. 
But we haven't seen Fujinami since Battle 7, episode 140. Ooh, was that... That was the previous year's... Yeah, probably like 95, January 4th Rick show. Flair match, maybe? I don't think so. Okay. So back in the ring, Masahiro hits multiple pile drivers Oof. for a two count. And then goes back to the toehold and SCF with Choshu finding the ropes. Chono delivers several more Yakuza kicks that only get one counts. He hits a fourth Yakuza kick that sends Ricky into the ropes, which he bounces off into a running lariat. Fighting spirit. Fighting spirit. Choshu nails another before applying the Scorpion Deathlock, but Chono doesn't give up. Ricky then delivers another running lariat, followed by another Scorpion Deathlock. Damn. For the submission and, and the win. win. So Ricky Choshu is your G1 Climax 1996 winner. You know what's great about this is my first thought is like, well, he's dad status now, but this is like, this is like, feels like kind of, I don't know if he ever becomes champion again, no clue, but this feels like a few years ago when Tanahashi was like, they gave him some big wins and like, I don't remember if he won the G1, but they put the belt on him, the big boy belt on him he again. He did win the G1 because yeah. he went on to yeah. And like, this is the same, Omega. yeah, the same vibe where it's like, oh, like, this might be the last time this guy wins the G1. It's still believable. It's not too late. And he still was the underdog because of uh, age, essentially. He yeah. had to be slapped slapped into go mode. So I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of the G1 Climax Final 1996? We love wrestling, especially when it looks like this. That I mean when it looks like this for me personally but I'd imagine that you guys didn't have a bad time watching this because nah. I mean there's no there's yeah there's nothing funny about this mm. like this everybody means it there was so easy to get into and the matches like flew by none of them outstayed their uh, welcome and they were pretty varied considering we only watched four of them but you know there's a lot of believable network, which is nice, where people are really selling on them, on, and it like actually feels like it means something when they take their time to get to the ropes. And the, the big boy matches, man. It's hard to pick a favorite match, but we'll get to that shortly. Yeah. Much like you said, an easy watch. To quote my, my Irish friend Seamus, banger after banger after banger after banger. Yeah, you... I'd, I'd highly recommend watching these four matches. I mean, if you can watch more than these four, watch more than these four. But at least check out these four because... Yeah, you won't have a bad time if huh. you like wrestling. Yeah. You know, no quick finishes, no no none of that nonsense, just a... Yeah. No, no, easy, no easy wins. So, knowing that these matches took place at the same time as the J-Crown tournament helped me put it into perspective. Yeah. Each match had the juniors going on before them, doing all the spectacular stuff that juniors do. So This was capital W wrestling. So they had to do something different. They couldn't do just all the big moves just over and over and over again. Because you can't do everything in every match. Right. It doesn't work. So these guys kind of went to the technical side of 
yeah. wrestling. Technical slash ass kicking. And that's where a difference of opinion can be had because some people will like that. Some people won't because I can I can totally see someone watching these matches and perhaps being bored. Yeah. Because there is just a lot of holds and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I totally understand. I get mad thinking about people who would feel that way. But, <laughs> but hey, everybody has different tastes. <laughs> I don't think any of these matches would be on a short list. No. Nah. But I still had a lot of fun watching these matches. They're interesting. I mean, that's the thing with G1 is, like, especially probably when it was only five five guy uh ten ten people total five yeah. guy blocks or whatever yeah. it's like those guys are going out there and getting big singles matches with big guys so the younger guys that are in there for the first time are going to perform and of course the you know the elder statesmen are going to perform because these are huge singles matches that actually mean something and can turn somebody in to a star uh so you know they're not heavyweight title matches but they're also better than some heavyweight title matches you've seen i promise yeah uh yeah it is uh yeah if you like wrestling and you're not just waiting for flips and furniture like it'd be i'd be hard pressed to see somebody get bored by it but i mean favorite match though I mean, if it's the, I mean, if it's not the first one, it's the last one, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's the, either one the of the first, Choshu matches. I think uh, the first one with uh, Choshu and it was Choshu, Choshu and Shinya. Yeah. Yes. Was the first match. Yeah. I mean, I'm a sucker right. for the Yakuza kicks. Sick. I love Yakuza kicks. It's hard for me because like they're all great, but I feel like the Choshu and Hashimoto and then I really like Hashimoto and Suzaki but I think that I'm a little biased because I really like Shinya Hashimoto but I think I might go you, you with do like Shinya the, Hashimoto the, yeah <laughs> the Hashimoto Choshu match because it was the first one and like they it set the tone they, yeah it set the tone they really brought it yeah but it's uh, I don't th- I don't think there's a wrong choice no not at all i feel like either one of these could be that's what i'm saying like i feel like if some if someone's misturing what i'm saying all these matches are great great yeah they're just probably not on a my short list yeah they're all of equal quality to the point where like shane's favorite match could have been muda and kazuyo and i would have been like valid valid choice there's like a different flavor enough in each one that you know they're four different matches yeah. there's a couple of them that look a little more similar but like choshu and uh hashimoto and hashimoto and power warrior why am i blinking Kazuke, uh, Suzaki, yeah Suzaki. and Suzaki like are both big boy matches but still a like a different vibe and energy in a good way yeah i find it fitting that uh this show was going on at the same time as the j crown tournament because i went into the j crown tournament sure that I knew who was winning and then when I saw the final of this one I was sure I knew who the winner was and I was wrong on both of them. <laughs> yeah I did not think that Ricky Choshu was gonna win that was an upset like for Absolutely. I was like yeah and that's why I immediately thought about Tanahashi a couple years ago yeah. good Where, where's the smart marks at all right fuck you 
I think it's time we smark it up. So, best moments? Uh, spitting, slapping, yelling. <laughs> yeah, the Fujinami appearance, like... Yeah, it really... I, I literally spent, like, a good hour making sure that I knew exactly that that was Tatsumi Fujinami. Because yeah. I was just like... <laughs> I like That moment was just like, yeah, yeah. like, you, you got this. Go get it. I was just like... I have to make sure I know who this person is. Yeah, legitimately, it was just like an espresso shot, like, you know, for the last, like, act of the match, where you're just yeah. like, all right, let's fucking go, and uh, they did. They absolutely did. The five lariats to take yeah, down Hashimoto lariats, in the first match. The Yakuza to... kicks. Triple Saito. Leg oh, under the rope. Saito. Leg under the rope. And, like, the, that Triple Saito, it wasn't, like, slow. It was truly, like three and it yeah. yeah it didn't feel like they were taking their time to set it up wasn't quite a three amigos <laughs> no no oh uh it probably hurt worse <laughs> oh yeah it probably hurt a lot worse the Hashimoto that got dropped on his head oh yeah I mean that one hurt, hurt to watch not necessarily a best moment but that was still just a badass holy shit moment yeah that's one of those moments in wrestling where you're like I know that all of this stuff hurts uh but that one like you're like when you were like Fuck. Yeah. I hope he's okay. Especially when you know you sell it so well that you're solid to the ground, you're solid to the ground, you're solid to the ground. I'm yeah. not getting off my feet, I'm not getting off my feet, and then whoop, here we go. Yeah, and when you finally head. get lifted, you <laughs> fall right on your head. And Hajimoto is just, like I said, extremely barrel chested. He is top heavy. Those shoulders probably weigh as much as my fucking thigh. How about most disappointing? Was there anything? I don't know if I have a disappointing on this one, just because, I mean, aside from wishing I could understand what they were saying, just so I knew <laughs> the play-by-play, I mean, there yeah. wasn't really... I'll do the cop-out answer. Tat. Uh, I wish, wish that we, we had more matches. I say it every time we watch we it. We always Japanese. say that one. <laughs> yeah. But so it's always like, oh, well, it would have been nice to have a couple more matches, because if they were, you know, as good as these four, they're totally worth being in wrestling history x canon i'm gonna throw it out there just because there are people that are gonna watch this and listen to this and i mean i mentioned it when you do a whole bunch of mat wrestling it can become a little tedious yeah and like literally there was one segment i mean i mean literally the final sequence of choshu and chono was Lariat, Scorpion, Deathlock, make it to the ropes. Lariat, Scorpion, Deathlock, make it to the ropes. Like, it's like, yeah, we, we, we got it. Like, uh, yeah. I, know, I know it's a finishing sequence. Yes. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's multiple examples of that in, in each yeah. match where, like, they do a move, they make it to the ropes, and then, like, they'll kick them and everything, and then basically put on a... Another hold that's basically the same hold. Yeah, for sure. I will say that, like, even if you're not get can get bored by Matt wrestling, I think that these guys sell it better, and the like psychology and storytelling is better than a lot of the times this happens. So it like might, maybe said, it'll change your mind. Like I said, I'm just throwing it out there no, as sure. a like it's worth bringing up man of the people type yeah. thought. I should try to be. More I don't. I don't. I don't qu- quite agree with that thought, but. You know, I can see how someone could. Yeah, I'm not going to call you stupid because of it. I'll just disagree with you. Exactly. 
No, best performer. Shit about you later. <laughs> hey, I'm like, leave this guy. <laughs> best performer of the night. I mean, Choshu really pulled it out, uh, especially for his age, and you know he's hurting. He doesn't stand up as straight as he used to. That's a tough one, and, honestly. I mean, Shinya brought the uh, anger when he needed to. He sold really well when he needed to, and uh, he fired up when he needed to. The quickest legs on the largest man. <laughs> and Sasaki made me look at him differently. Yeah, for real. Yeah. He, he felt he felt like it's like where I mean, it, it definitely feels like he has leveled up since the last time we saw him. Oh yeah, and, it, and he has won a G one. I think yeah. the last time we saw him, he was basically winning a G one. Yeah. And but we were all like, really, this yeah. guy's one of the. G1? And now you see him here, and you're <laughs> and like, okay, like that guy. That totally guy okay. Like, all right, cool. Let's do this guy. Yep. So. Yeah. How about most surprising? I actually don't think we actually answered. Best performer. I think we just kind of left it in blue. I guess. I guess because so. we were literally could. I mean, answered anybody. <laughs> there's two guys that did two matches, so I feel like unless somebody really wowed you, which I mean, all the guys did, but uh, I would have to choose between Choshu and Hashimoto, and you know where my vote's gonna go because I'm biased. <laughs> so you know, the 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 thick karate man. Oh, so Kazu Yamasaki. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thick karate man. <laughs> He worked that hurt hand. He, I mean, they may be like a hand match. Uh, so, I mean, if anybody's going to do that, it might be Mudo being a brat because he's pretty good at being a brat because he is one in real life. I sense a one hand tied behind your back match next. <laughs> How about most surprising? And I'm going to go with Yamasaki winning against Muda. Yeah, Yamasaki. I, mean, I, know, I, know, I know anything can happen in the G1. Yeah. But like... That's yeah. more surprising than Choshu winning, even though Choshu winning was a surprise. Yeah, yeah. I would say that was my... Not necessarily Choshu winning, but Chono losing, because I went into it thinking... This is where Chono this like, is gets the made or point. whatever. Yeah. You know, he had a, a slightly different look. You know, he was wearing Roman Reigns pants. And... <laughs> He'll get his win back, I, I mean, assume, pretty very, soon, and it'll I mean, mean something. NWO Japan starts real soon so see that's what i was thinking too that it was a about the right time for that so i thought that it's a good way to a good way to get it going only seen him in the finals so this is where it happens but definitely had that in my mind as well but you know that like this guy's gonna have a banger match against choju probably within the calendar year i'd imagine yeah and it's probably good i hope we hope we see it making their way to the ring it's trivia time. Uh-oh. This week, the category is What Happened When? What Happened When? So, five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. I am going to give you a show. You are going to give me the main event of that show. So, the show is SummerSlam. 1994. Eh. <laughs> Damn it. I knew as soon as you said SummerSlam, it's like Shane has this immediately. Shane? SummerSlam 1994 was Taker vs. Taker. Or Taker versus Faker, however you want to word it. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Correct answer. <clears throat> what a weird match to headline SummerSlam. Yep. Right? <laughs> It's like, what was that? Was that a? Uh, I wonder what the title match on that show was. I'm trying to remember. I know because that was the one you had Leslie Nielsen that was on. Oh yeah. 
the hunt for the Undertaker or whatever throughout the entire show. I can't Is that remember. Yokozuna versus Loot? No. That was 93. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I, I yeah. had to think for a second. I was like, wait, no, they had the rumble already. Or so we Luger. call it the death of Lex Luger. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it was a... Oh, that's 96. That's not going to help me. <laughs> Come on. Hart and Owen in the cage match. Oh, that's good stuff. I understand why they went with Taker. I mean, it was the return of Taker, yeah. right? So, yeah. How often do you get to see the same character fight themselves? Only when you play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that's why I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> I mean, you've had Axe and Smash go up against each other, and you've had, I don't know, Killer B and Killer B. Ian and Axel Rotten forever. Uh, not forever as in I like them, but they just wrestled forever. But, I it's mean... It's not the last time we'll see the same. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah, I mean, Brett and uh, Owen, obviously, a better match. But, Taker versus Taker, you know, it is at least iconic, memorable, and talked about to this day. Because it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Next week... Hogwild 1996. Rev up your motorcycle, put on your leather jacket, maybe take the Confederate flag off first, and let's go to Sturgis. That's right, South Dakota. That's right. Who's Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore Black bikers. Hills. You guys ever been to Mount Rushmore? Maybe, no. also, maybe we can save it for the next one. Sorry. But, you know, it's fine. Spoilers. I'm, no. 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 Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it yet. I watched, I've seen North by Northwest, a joke I'll make next episode. <laughs> Music from this week's show is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Powell and Ricky Choshu One. So we play his music, Power Hall by ZZZ. Oh. Huh. I you about to say ZZ Top. It's like, I don't know That's that. That's what ZZ I was thinking at first. I'm like, wait, what? I was going to make the joke that hopefully it doesn't put us to sleep. Oh. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of your other ones, please go out there, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Or wherever you find your podcasts at. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, you should. Uh, where are we going next? We're going to South Dakota. Sturgis. I guess we'll be going there in multiple times in the future. Yes. So we, we will go to South Dakota multiple times. Will actually make sense. It might be one. Yeah, we're not going to go there again. I'm from but, Nebraska, but I've never been to South Dakota. I've never been across the border to yeah. South Dakota. So I think the Dakotas aren't a place the same way Delaware is. No, no shade. Always, no shade. I've I live in Oklahoma. Go, don't get mad. I've always wanted to go to Delaware, but I I didn't want to drive the four hours to go across the border to South Dakota. So I literally want to ask why, but then I'm like, <laughs> do I care? Yeah, I was like, why no, does he want to go to Delaware? It's one of those things. It's like I want to go to Delaware. I want to go to Maine. There's no real reason. I, I mean, Maine. Maine, I get. Maine sounds great. Maine, I get. They have like a whole culture. I think it stems they consider from themselves different. Wayne's World back in the day of where they were standing in front of the green screen and da 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 da, and all of a sudden it's um, Delaware. Hi, I'm in Delaware, Delaware, and I just wanted to be in Delaware just so I could say I mean, that, I guess. You could set up a green screen. There's only, there's only two <laughs> things I know out of uh, Delaware. Uh, uh, President uh, Joe Biden and uh, George Thurgood. And there I think his band was even called, like, the Delaware Dolls. University of Delaware is the Blue Hills. Oh, there we go. Those are all our Delaware facts, guys. That's all I got. It also, I think, <laughs> has like crazy tax cuts for uh, for companies. So a lot of companies capital, just have right? like buildings they own there. Dover. If you have any other Delaware fun facts for us, let us know at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. <laughs> or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. 
That's wrestling, H-I-S-T-O. X. Write him down on a piece of paper, ball it up, throw it away. No one cares about Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Macarena. Laters.